When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. If you're looking to pay down debt or save for a financial goal faster, there are two ways to do it. You can save more money or make more money. And let's assume you're knocking out of the park with your frugality, you're saving as much as you can. How can you make more money? We're talking legally here. Well, one way is starting a side hustle. And besides providing you with extra income, my guest today argues that having a small business on the side can actually bring you a lot more satisfaction and confidence to your life. His name is Chris Gillibo, and I've had him on the podcast before to discuss his book, Born for This. Today on the show, Chris and I discuss his latest book, Side Hustle, From Idea to Income in 27 Days. Chris and I begin our conversation talking about why every man should have a side hustle, including men who are already very happy with their day jobs. And then Chris walks us through the process of starting a side hustle from ideation to business formation to marketing. Along the way, Chris busts some myths that people have about starting a business and provides examples of folks who have added $1,000 to $20,000 a month to their income with the business they work on in their free time. Lots of actionable advice in the show. And after it's over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash side hustle, where you find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Chris Gillibo, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. I think it's like the, you know, seventh or eighth time I've been on the show. Not quite seven or eight, but it's a big honor. Yeah, a three-peater, because you're always coming out with these books, so I got to have you back on the show. You know, the last time we had you on the show, we talked about, uh, you know, building your dream career, and we got a lot of positive feedback from that. Your new book is called Side Hustle, From Idea to Income in 27 Days. It's, we've written about side hustles on the site before. We're a big proponent of them. For those who aren't familiar with the concept of a side hustle, how do you define a side hustle? You know, a lot of people are talking about side hustles in a lot of different ways. Um, and I, I really, I'm glad to hear that you had some good feedback from our last conversation. I actually feel like this new book, Side Hustle, is probably the most relevant to, to your listeners that I've ever ever written. And I'm trying to focus my side hustle focus or my side hustle push on creating assets, on creating something that you have ownership over. And the reason why I'm doing that, well, one, it's just smart, but then also I feel like in the culture, some people are talking about side hustles as part of the gig economy or as part of like, you know, the notion that people have to have two or three jobs these days. And I'm not really trying to encourage people to, to work harder or to do a 40-hour a week you know, job and then go and do a 20-hour a week job somewhere else. I'm, I'm trying to help people create something that they can point to and say, you know, I have ownership over this thing and it's, it's making money for me. And maybe I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I still don't want to be an entrepreneur. 
But it's really great that, you know, at the end of the month, I can have my paycheck and I can have this extra income coming in. And that, that just feels really good. So that's what I'm trying to, to help people with. So there's a lot of reasons people start side hustles. And I think you argue that everyone should have a side hustle. Even if you got a satisfying career, you love your job, you should still have something on the side. Why, why is that? You know, I've, I've never felt um, more strongly about something, I think, and about this concept in particular, because... I, I am not trying to encourage people to go out and, and quit their jobs. Like I, I did that a little bit with a previous book, $100 Startup that I wrote and kind of learned through that process. Like that book resonated with, with a lot of folks and a lot of folks said, well, that's not really me. I actually love my job, you know, or maybe eventually I want to quit my job, but I can't do that right now. Um, I think everybody needs to have more than one support. No, I think it's smart for, I think it's good to have a backup plan. Uh, it's good to have more optional freedom. Um, there's really, there's really no downside to it. I feel like if you, if you invest in this process the right way and by invest, I'm, I'm talking mostly about your time, not talking about spending money. Um, then I feel like only good things come from it, you know? And like I said, it, it gives people confidence, makes them feel empowered. And of course it's, it's extra money. So, you know, one way to look at it is like, oh, look at what's happening in the world and the economy and people don't have security in traditional jobs. All that is true. I agree. The other way to look at it in addition is to say, well, this is something that's, you know, creative, empowering, um, makes you look at it and say, like, like I mentioned, you know, I made this thing, I own it. And, uh, it's also can be fun. It's actually be something, can be something that you look forward to doing. You know, it's not something you dread. It's something you look forward to doing at the end of the day or your 20 minutes in the morning or whatever time you have for it. Yeah. I think that last point is, is a good one because a lot of people who they might not hate their job, but it's not giving, giving them the, the creative outlet that they might or desiring, like a side hustle allows them to do that and also make money in the process. Yeah, 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 exactly. I talked to a guy last night, uh, I'm on this tour to do a hundred cities, talk with people about side hustles. And I generally think it's good to do something a little bit different for your side hustle than you do for your day job. And I did, I did meet someone last night who was like, oh, I'm a web developer by day and I'm a web developer at night. That, could, that can work. I mean, some people do that. What I tend to see people just having more enjoyment with and maybe even more success with is something that's totally different. So there's a story I did recently about a guy who's a managerial accountant and his, his side hustle is, is producing poetry slams. And he makes like $1,000 a month you know, putting on these poetry slams, which is great because you never hear about a poet making money, right? But then also like he's the you know, accountant by day, poet by night. So totally different kind of, kind of thought process and, and work and, and creative outlet, like you said. What does it take to start a side hustle? Does it require a lot? Because I think a lot of people, because you know, it's a business, right? And I think people think, oh, I get, there's a lot of hoops I got to jump through. What does it actually take to start one? Right, right. Yeah, it basically takes takes all your life savings and you need to go back to school for four years. And uh, yeah, no, it takes none of that. Um, what, what I'm trying to do with the book and the, the tour, show people this process. And the process is idea to income in 27 days. So I really am encouraging people to like get this get this thing started quickly. And as I said, it's not about spending money. It's also not about this extensive planning phase as well. So basically what it's about is is helping people use the skills they already have um, to you know, create some kind of product or service. And I think that's, that's key because people tend to think about business ideas, you know, quote unquote. And people, consumers, like all of us, we don't buy ideas. Like we buy products or services. So I'm helping people like look at the skills they have and figure out how can I package that into some kind of product or service? How can I then turn that into some kind of offer? And then how can I get that out to the world probably before I'm ready? You know, so that I can get some real world feedback, not just asking my buddies like, hey, what do you think about this idea? But putting it out and seeing how people really respond and then kind of regrouping from there. So 
you know, 27 day process. It's, it's broken out into like five weeks. You know, you do one thing a day, um, as I said, 20 to 30 minutes a day. Um, and at the end, you should have some some real results and you should be able to actually point to something and say, look, that's that's my side hustle. So let's talk about sort of the, the ideation process. Where can people get ideas for side hustles? A lot of people are like, I want to start a business, but I don't know what to do. So where can people find these ideas? Yeah, it's really interesting. I've learned through a lot of research and like, you know, eight years of working on this in different ways that half the people struggle with with that, what you just mentioned, like, where do ideas come from? I don't know what I have. That's a good idea. The other half of the people struggle with like, I have an idea. Ideas aren't my problem. I just don't quite know what to do next. Or I can't choose between different ideas. So or the first part, because you know, like the book goes through for both sections. So learning where ideas come from is essentially a skill that, that nobody really learns in school. Your parents didn't teach you, but it's not that hard to develop. So it's just essentially about developing your skill of curiosity or developing the power of observation and just beginning with paying attention. So paying attention, first of all, to daily life, like as you kind of go through the world, um, looking around and noticing not just things that you like, but what things do you not like? And, you know, what frustrations do you encounter? What problems do you encounter? Like, how could, you know, somebody create some kind of a solution to something? The second part is also then looking at yourself. Um, what are your skills? What are all your skills? It's not just skills that you use, you know, for your day job or what you got your degree in if you went to, to college. Um, but what is something that we can actually like combine with these two things, like your skill, your background, your interests, and then also like some kind of problem in the world or something that, you know, can then turn into, as we said, a side hustle. So you know, I try to walk people through all these different examples, you know, of like, okay, here's how this person did it. And hopefully that gets you thinking, because you're not going to do the same thing that, that they did or that I did or anybody else. But um, through this process, hopefully uh, you can, you can get, you know, the ideas that you need. And say you get some ideas, how do you determine if it's feasible, right? Because like you might have this idea, you think it sounds great on paper, but then, okay, actually I'm, I'm going to lose money trying to make this a business. So how do you figure that out before you, before you make too much of an investment of time or money into it? Sure, sure. Well, I'll say two things about this. Um, you know, one, one to your direct question, like there, there is a process that I show in the book about how to test your idea with $10 in a Facebook account. And it's this really simple process of, Basically, like, you know, writing an ad and kind of just kind of seeing how people respond. Um, it's not that difficult to set up. And as I said, it costs like like $10. However, I'll also say that, um, like, I have this daily podcast called Side Hustle School. And every day on the show, seven days a week, a story of somebody who does this. In, and so telling a story of an employee starts an income generating project without quitting their job, how they get the idea, um, you know, what happened, how they develop it, what challenges did they encounter, how much money did they make from it. And what I have seen is that, it's actually not always possible to like to know in advance like if this thing is going to work or it's not possible not always possible to know if your ideas is going to be validated and so sometimes you just have to you just kind of have to to try and that's why the process is is short that's why it's you know 27 days so that you're not you know investing a huge amount of time or spending a year planning something that you don't know if it's if it's going to work or not so i like to, i like to feature a bunch of like quirky kind of different stories like the book begins with this guy who wrote a blog about fish tank reviews and like he was really into fish. And so like, he spent like a weekend, like a short period of time, like writing these fish tank reviews and linking to Amazon where he had an you know, affiliate account, which anyone can create. And he kind of went away and didn't really think much about it. And a month later, he got a check for $300 in the mail. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, that's, that's interesting. And so he put a little bit more work into it, um, but eventually kind of left it because he was a construction project manager and a busy guy. So the, the short version or the punchline of that story is this was like three years ago. And three years on, 
like literally every single month, he's been getting a check in the mail from Amazon for $700. So $700, you know, is not a necessarily a life-changing amount of money. You can't live off of it, but it's very significant, especially for something that you don't do anything for, right? So he, you know, he's been able to take his wife on, you know, extra vacation every year and, you know, do all this kind of stuff. If you had tried to like validate the fish tank review idea before he started, I don't know if you, if you could, you know, I think a lot of people would say that's kind of a dumb idea. But, you know, obviously it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, $700 a month. That would pay for rent in a two-bedroom apartment here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, right, right. Think about that. Yeah, or help you pay off debt. You know, I hear from a lot of people that have student loan debt or credit card debt or, you know, just, just whatever. It's like, it's, it's, it's a real thing. And so that, that's why I actually like for the show and for the book itself, I have this minimum, like you, you have to be making at least $500 a month, you know, to be featured on the show or every story in the book. And actually my goal for people, if like you, if you go through the book and you go through the process, like I'm personally not going to be satisfied as the author if, if the project you create is not doing at least $500 a month. And there's a lot of stories uh, you know, in the book of people who've gone on to actually do you know, six-figure side hustles or, or much more. And I, I love those stories too. Um, we could get into those. But I, I think like, it's also relatable in some ways to, to point to people who are like you know, $500, $1,000 a month. So the idea is that uh, a side hustle idea... Like you, you should invest so little into it that it's okay if you invest some time or some money because it's so little that if it flops, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, exactly. The risk is low, right? And this is this is like a counterpoint to traditional entrepreneurship because traditional entrepreneurship is all about, oh, you're going to take a big risk. You might get a big reward. You know, you're like trying to start this startup or whatever it is. You know, maybe there's like this huge reward that waits that awaits on the other side, but there's also like this huge chance of, chance of major failure. And I'm trying to like take that that huge chance of failure out of the process, um, so that people can can experiment. And I think of it like a like a hobby. It's like a hobby. It's something you you look forward to. Like we said, it's something you enjoy. Maybe you'll spend a little bit of money on it, but you spend a little bit of money on, on your hobbies, right? And this this has the potential to be a hobby that actually pays you money, right? So that's the that's the key. To yeah, it. I mean, here's two examples from my own life of side hustles that didn't cost me any money. Um, one was a success. One was a flop. So when I, I, I lived in Mexico for a few years, so I, sp I speak Spanish fluently, not so much anymore. But when I was in college, I um, offered tutoring services. So I just, all I did is I printed off a little flyer and hung it up in like where all the Spanish classes are at and didn't cost me anything. And like within a week I had three clients pay me 20 bucks a week for Spanish. And it took me like three hours a week and I was making 60 bucks a week extra. And cost me nothing. The other side hustle that I tried was like when iPods first came out and people like had all these, probably had like these digital files or they had CDs with all their music. And like, I, I tried to like offer a service where I would rip their CDs and put them onto their iPod. I just printed uh, flyers and I like just hung up on the doors. Didn't, I spent maybe like two hours and no money basically. And that didn't go anywhere. I didn't get any bites from that. But it was no, no harm, no foul. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, both examples, like you, you printed some flyers, you know, like a small investment of your time and one of them, one of them worked and one of them didn't, you know, that's good. And you're not, like I said, there's no other startup costs to that, like none at all. So, so that's good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, so can I maybe make a quick comment on that, that first example? Um, you know, there you're obviously using a, a skill that you had. It was something that other people clearly needed and desired. They needed help, you know, with, like improving their their Spanish language skills, and in, in the second example, like you thought there would be a need, or you, you you wondered if there would be, and it turned out there there wasn't. So 
I have this concept of um, like starter ideas and next level ideas in the book. And I think your example of like the tutoring Spanish is, is a great example of a starter idea. And when I say starter, it's not any kind of negative you know, context at all. Uh, it just means that it's, it's a fairly limited idea in terms of like the scope and the scalability of it, because like, you can only tutor so much. Uh, people can only pay a certain amount of tutor. Like you can, you can probably raise your rate at a certain point, but you can't raise it indefinitely because eventually somebody's just going to go to another Spanish language tutor. So what I'm trying to help people do is like definitely experiment with the starter ideas. That's great. Like you can sell something on Etsy, you know, tomorrow you can sign up for the platform Fiverr and like offer some kind of service tomorrow. Um, but you know, the challenge there is like, you're going to be kind of locked into somebody else's environment. Like you have to kind of play by their rules. Like they essentially can cap your income in some ways, just like driving for Uber or Lyft or whatever. So next level idea is something that, that you actually like do have this ownership over. Um, it's something that has the potential to earn a lot more money. So very quick story about another guy who was also like, he was actually trying to learn Spanish and he had lived in Argentina for a while and like got somewhat proficient, but then he moved back to Canada and like was, was kind of losing his skills. And so he downloaded an app and like, he liked the app. I think it was Duolingo. He said it was good, but he also felt kind of impersonal. And then at the same time, one of his, one of his buddies was like, uh, also trying to like brush up his Spanish and hired a tutor on Craigslist, which is, you know, kind of like what you were doing. And he liked that process, but you know, like he was paying $25 an hour for it. So I thought this isn't super efficient either. So short version is this guy, I think his name is Sean. He created a he created a platform that essentially allows like Skype language lessons, you know, from people in the U.S. and Canada back with you know people in Argentina or Chile or elsewhere. And so then there's like an economic difference in terms of the cost, and uh, people can log on at any time. They don't have to like to coordinate on meeting at Starbucks or whatever. So this project has actually super super taken off, and within a year, it's actually uh, more than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that he's made from it. So that's kind of like a difference between a starter idea and something that could potentially go on to do much more. Right. The other idea, the next level idea that I thought was good was the Uber driver who became an Uber driver coach, which was interesting. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's a friend of mine named uh, Harry Campbell, actually here in Southern California, where I'm talking to you from. And uh, it, it's exactly what you just said. He he was an Uber driver and was interested in you know like learning more about how to how to do a better job and how to increase his hourly rates and you know get his rating higher and stuff like that. And so he's he's like googling to try to find this information, feeling frustrated because there's not a ton of stuff out there. And so he decides to actually create this platform called you know the the rideshare guy. And so on this platform, which he's now built out over I think about two years or so now. Um, you know, he has, he has coaching sessions that he does. I think he has some kind of product. He's also like, you know, speaking in the media a lot about it. So he's built this whole authority. So, uh, he, you know, he went from driving to for Uber, which is a good starter idea. Like you have some flexibility over your hours, et cetera, but it's also kind of limited because of competition and the, the rates are set by Uber, not by you. Now he's gone to this thing that is, that is more entrepreneurial in the sense that, he can do whatever he wants and he can take that in lots of different directions. So let's say you, you, you narrowed on an idea, it's feasible. You think you can make a good go at it, but you, in your research, you discover that there are other people who are doing pretty much the same thing that you're doing, right? Like, I mean, that example of the guy with the app, the Spanish app, I mean, he, he able to find, he was able to find a, a way to tweak that a bit, but let's say there's no way to tweak your side hustle. There's like a lot of dog walkers in your town, what do you do in that case? Should you go ahead or she's like, okay, I'm going to do something else? Well, you know, I guess I would, I would say to that example, like, are there a lot of dogs in your town? Because, you know, one dog walker can't serve the whole market. And in a lot of ways, 
seeing that somebody else is, is you know, doing your ideas is actually validation itself because you can see, okay, somebody's doing this. They're actually getting paid for it. Uh, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, most, most people aren't going to. Like, I, I feel like people are kind of obsessed with like, you know, I, I don't have a side hustle idea because I don't know how to invent the next iPhone or whatever. Well, you're, you're probably not going to do that, you know, in, in 27 days, you know, 20 minutes a day or whatever. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's bad that somebody else is doing that. Uh, even like the language thing, like let's say that somebody else was doing exactly the same model that he was doing. There's still like so many people out there that, you know, want to learn Spanish or could choose a different language or do it in a different way. So not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, sometimes there's a, there's a disadvantage for, to being the first mover. Yeah, because then you have to essentially educate people on, you know, why they, why they need this thing that they've never heard of before. Let's say you get the idea, what do you need to get started? Because I think going back to that idea, people think they need to do a lot. Like they have to get business licenses. They need to incorporate to have a business. They need a business account. They need cards. Like what exactly do you need to have sort of legally sort of the back, the structure to get a side hustle going? Or do you need any of that really? Yeah. Well, it's going to depend on, on what you're doing, but I will say overall, it's also going to be different in your, you know, your state or your province or whatever, but I will say overall, people people focus uh, you know far too much on on that on those kind of questions, which I don't mean to say are unimportant, but they focus far too much on that and far far less on the, the more important questions, which I think are like, okay, what what is the the project? Like, how are you going to turn it into a product or service? How what's it going to cost? How are you going to get it out to people? Like, what is your marketing plan? Like, who are the ten people you're going to ask for help? Which these are all the little exercises I have in the book to help to kind of help people with that. That like thinking through that stuff is far far more important. Um, as for like you know what kind of you know what do you need in terms of legality, you know in, in the U.S. and Canada and lots of other like Western countries, it's, it's usually very very simple. I mean, you might need a business license, but you can just Google like your state, you know, plus business license. In, in most cases, uh, you can you know go and do that online for thirty five dollars or maybe fifty bucks or something. Um, you can also also even you know usually depending on what it is, you can do that actually after you've started. The business. Um, if you do need to incorporate, or if you feel like you need to incorporate, that might be like a couple hundred bucks or a few hundred bucks at the at the highest. But uh, again, it's more important, I think, to get your project like up and running. And uh, you know, if you end up having a success, you know, if, if something actually takes off, well, then later you can go and get some advice, and later you can see about okay, what do I need to know in terms of tax liability, et cetera. But um, I, I want to help people get things going and then figure that out. Yeah, that's kind of what I do with the art of manliness. Uh, didn't have an LLC when I first started. Didn't have any of that, but because I just I didn't know if it was going to be a thing. And then as it sort of gained steam, then I went and I found advice on that sort of stuff. So you got the idea. You've you you know it's feasible. How do you get the word out about it, right? So you can get customers because that's that's a, that's a hard part. And I guess here's the I think it's a paradox. Like it's easier it's easier than ever to reach people thanks to social media and the internet, right? You don't have to go door to door handing out flyers about your iPod service. But it's hard because you're competing with billions of people who are also possibly vying for attention. So how do you get the word out? Yeah, paradox is a good word because yes, you know, like social media, et cetera, but are you really reaching those people? You know, because like I'm sure a lot of people have experienced uh, if you've tried to do something, like you can put something out, but it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to pay attention to it or even even care, certainly less, you know, take action on it. So yeah, I you know, began to touch on that before about like, uh, you know, as you get ready to to put this into the world, like there's a couple of things you can do. Um, one is I encourage people to ask for help. Uh, I encourage people to ask for specific help, not just like general help, but make a list of, you know, 10 people that you're going to go to to ask for something specific. 
And I, I talk about how to do this. Like generally you want to, like, I mean, I got my friend who's going to help me like with the website. I've got somebody else who is pretty good at Instagram. They're going to show me how to do this. I've got somebody else who, you know, maybe be, might be connected to a group of people that I'm trying to reach. They're going to help me with that. Um, there's a whole other section called sell like a Girl Scout, um, which is kind of built on this notion that, um, you know, Girl Scouts don't have to do a lot of salesmanship. Like they're basically like out on the corner and their, their whole pitch is like, hey, would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And everybody who walks by is like, yes, you know, of course. So how can you basically be like a Girl Scout, you know, as opposed to like the, the counter example I use is like a street canvasser. Like if you're walking down the street in a, in a bigger city, there's often people that are trying to get your attention and like, you know, draw attention to their cause, which may be a very valid and good cause, but it's essentially, it's a very hard sell because it's hard to get people's attention when they're walking down the street and they're skeptical. And, you know, so they have to kind of do this like marketing by guilt. So I'm trying to show people how to not do that, um, but how to, you know, sell like a Girl Scout, uh, find the right people and then, you know, then reach them essentially. I imagine having a website is probably a basic, like that's a no brainer. You need to have that because that's how people are going to find you. Generally speaking. Yeah. For, for the most part, you know, for the most part, I think so. And, and I mean, you know, and probably some of the listeners know that, you know, it's not necessarily that complicated to have a basic website. You know, um, if you're not a designer, you're probably not going to have an amazing website in, in 27 days, but that's okay. You know, here's a, here's a story about a guy who, who set up a really simple website kind of doing some of the same stuff that, that we've been talking about. This guy's name is Tanner and uh, he went on a cruise with his wife. And at first he was kind of like, I don't know if I'm excited about cruises, but his in-laws gave them a gift certificate. So they went on the cruise. Um, but before he went, he had all these questions that he couldn't find answers to. He was like, well, I subscribe to Netflix. Like, will I be able to watch Netflix on the cruise? Like, how does the internet access work? Like, what are some like hacks, you know, or, or tips or tweaks to make my experience better? Couldn't really find that stuff. So he comes back and he's a copywriter for his day job. So he's like using his, his skills here. And he creates a, a WordPress blog, super simple. Um, the WordPress blog's purpose is to answer like commonly asked questions about cruises, like some of the questions that he had before. And that's all it is. Like it's just basically like a series of posts, like and a post would be titled, like, how can I watch Netflix on a cruise? And so he'd like answer that. And then it would be like, how can I watch HBO or like whatever, like a whole series of, of things. So then he connects that, um, connects that site to um, Google AdSense, which is Google's advertising program. It's kind of like the Amazon thing. Anybody can sign up for it. There's no like, there's no gatekeeper or thing or like process to it. And when people visit that site, if they click through on the, the links to Google, he gets paid. But he starts building this out just like, you know, on his weekends or whatever. He does like one post a day, like really simple. And about six months in, he's earning $4,000 a month from this blog. And he's still doing it. Like this has been going for like a year. It's like more than $50,000 a year, you know, from basic website, providing information that didn't exist before. Or if it did exist, it was hard to find. You know, it was like the cruise lines have their own websites, but they're telling their story like they have their pitch. And there's lots of forums you can go to and read like tens of thousands of of posts and comments and contradictory opinions, but nobody wants to do that either. Or at least a lot of people don't. Some people just want the answer. So he found a way to do that, like using his skills, providing information that people are looking for and like doing hugely, hugely well from it. Is he, does he still have his day job? I think he does. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Which, you know, it's, which is good because like he, he has, he has choice now. He has choice. He has decision-making ability. I don't, I don't know exactly like, you know, where he lives and what his costs are and like the long-term plan. But I, I hear from some people who, you know, do eventually like quit their, their job if it's going really well. And I hear from some other people who actually have these successes that are making a very significant income, but they like their job because they like, you know, the social environments or they 
they like the mission, like they believe that they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. Uh, or maybe they just think like, I need this for now and like, but I've got this great backup plan. And so if, if something changes and I don't like the, the social environment or I don't like the direction the company's going in, well, now I, I can actually, you know, step away without fear. We'll, we'll talk about if your side hustle is a success, a smashing success here in a bit, but let's talk about what if it's a flop, right? You, you put it out there and it's like, okay, no, no takers. What's the next step? Yeah. Well, I think if you do it right, like in the way that we've been talking about, like your, your iPod, you know, flyer service, then it's a learning experience. And you basically chalk it up to say, okay, well, you know, thought that might've been a good idea, but it wasn't, or at least it wasn't in this, this way. Um, here, here's what I think is, is tends to be more common. I think people, people tend to think about the smashing success or the, the big flop, but it's just as common to have like this third outcome. And the third outcome is like, okay, you do everything and you put it out there and your, your idea like sort of works. Like your idea is like, you know, maybe you, you hope to have like three customers or three clients or students for your Spanish tutoring business um, by the end of the week, but you got one. So what do you do then? Like it's not a smashing success or a complete flop. And so uh, either way, I think you, you kind of reevaluate and say, okay, you know, is there something I can change about this idea? Uh, do I need to tweak it? Um, do I still believe in this idea? I just need, need some refinement or maybe some more marketing or something. Or do I actually think now that I've been through this experience, there might be something I'd be, I'd be better at. And in that case, I'm going to go back to, like I said, it's like a five-week process. I'm going to go back to week number two, which is select my idea. I'm going to choose a different idea and then, and then pursue it. Right. But again, since you had, you spent so little time and hopefully so little money on it, no big, no harm, no foul. You're okay. I think what's, I think what's dangerous is when people spend, spend, you know, I don't know, like eight months or even longer than that. And maybe they have invested some real money and then it's not a success. I mean, and, and, you know, I've done that in different ways and stuff in the past, but that's what I think is, is harder, right? Because it's hard to let go of something like that. Um, whereas if you haven't invested a ton of time, you're not attached to it as much. And so you're able to make more rational, logical decisions. All right, well, let's talk about success. Cause that can, it, it, you're like, oh great, I'm successful. I'm making lots of money, but that can bring its own problems because then you're under this pressure possibly to expand because there's uh, so much demand for it, but you're like, ah, I don't really want to do that. I don't have the time. At what point should you decide, well, maybe I should expand or maybe I'm okay where I'm at. How do you deal with that angst that might exist? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first thing is to acknowledge, like, these are good problems to have. Like, I'm not saying they're not problems, right? But it's, it's, good, it's good to be in a situation of, like, you know, how do, I, how do I pay taxes on, like, all the money that I've made? And, like, how do I choose, you know, if I'm going to do the job I've been doing or this, you know, side business that's actually doing very well? So, still an issue, but, like, great place to be in. So, first thing you should do is congratulate yourself. And then I think like, it kind of just kind of goes back to like, what are, what are your goals? Like, don't necessarily let the side business or your job or anything else drive the decision. Like the decision should be, should the, the decision should be within your control and your influence. And like step, step one of my plan, like day one is like define your side hustle goal. And some people just want some extra cash, you know, to, to pay off their, their debt or to save for that vacation. And other people want to connect, to create this really significant you know, source of income and other people want to replace their day job income. And, and it's okay if your job, if your goals change along the way, of course, you know, but still it's like, what is your goal? Like, what is your intention? You know, what is essentially like, not, not to get like super, you know, woo woo, but like, what is the life that you want to live? And, you know, how does your, your side hustle fit into that? How does everything else in your life, your family, your other responsibilities, et cetera. And then I feel like that's when you start making those decisions and don't let something else just kind of, you know, take, take it away. 
At what point do you see most of the people you've talked to, you know, they've been a success that they decide to go full-time with their side hustle? Is there like a threshold that they meet and they're like, okay, I can do this full-time? Yeah. I think if it, if it is your goal to do that, then I think the threshold is essentially like whatever you determine to be the minimum amount of income that you need to to not just like pay your basic bills, but to feel somewhat secure. And then when you get to that point, um, then you're able to make that decision as long as you feel that the income is is sustainable, right? Because sometimes it, it might not be. But if you feel like you can you can predict, you know, with reasonable certitude that this is going to continue in this way, and it's only going to only going to grow, you know, potentially at least uh, if you devote more time to it, then then that's when you make that decision, but not before. So you raise another issue with side hustles that some people I think I've seen people overlook is the issue of taxes, because unlike your job where you know the companies taking taxes out automatically. Like you, you're in charge of that. And I've seen people that have a side hustle and like, oh, $700. I spend the entire $700. And then tax time comes around and like, oh, don't have enough money for that. Yeah. Um, so here's a simple recommendation for that. And uh, it's not even just like the earn the $700. It's, you know, I hear from people that have earned $70,000, you know, and they've never done that before. And, you know, and they don't really think about it. And so that's a much, much bigger problem. Um, so a very simple recommendation, obviously every relation is going to be different. People are in different taxes, et cetera, but simple recommendation is the, the first and, and most essential thing you should do is you should, you should separate your side hustle income and whatever associated expenses from your personal income expenses. So probably should have said that about the business license, but that is one thing that you should do. And then, um, you know, once you actually start making some money, you should just set aside about 25% of that uh, for that tax burden that's going to come up. And like I said, it may be a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower, but at least that way you've got this reason. So when stuff is coming in, you know, just don't touch that 25% because it's going to eventually be due. Right, right. That's what I, that's what I, I have an account just for taxes and like it goes in there and it's like a, it's a lock safety box. You can't get to it. Yeah. Cause you know, it's eventually going to have to go away. So yeah. Yeah. Can you have more than one side hustle going on? Uh, you can, I mean, it's up to you. It's uh, I've seen people do it every way. You know, some people like have, a whole lot. It's a collection of side hustles. Uh, other people have kind of a demanding job and, you know, family responsibility, other stuff. And they're like, I've, I've got this like limited window. You know, I really just had like a brief period of time, uh, you know, every day I work on something. So it's got to be one thing. So it's really your, your own, your own personality. Any side hustles from your own life? I mean, I, I think one of the nice things about the books, you give so many examples, but I'm curious about your own life. Are there side hustles that you've used that were a success that flopped, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, my, like my life has been side hustles and nothing but essentially, uh, um, because I, I discovered the world of like micro entrepreneurship, essentially, like when I was uh, basically 18, 19, and I learned how to sell, sell things on eBay. And I learned how to buy coffee from Jamaica, found this like reseller online and have it shipped to my apartment and I have like coffee, like bags of coffee, like spread out across my living room table. And I'm like repackaging it and then sending it out to people. And it was, it was like so fun. I just, I love the whole process of learning about how to do all that. And then at the time, like eBay was a very new site and it's kind of an inefficient market. So people would sometimes pay more for things online than they would like you could buy in stores. This is like the early days of the internet, you know? And so I, I would go to the store and buy like Toys R Us and buy Legos and then would resell them, you know, for 20% more online. So learning about how to do all that stuff, it was just a fun little process. And it's been like literally 20 years of, of doing, you know, various things like that. And, and some stuff has, has worked and some stuff hasn't. Um, you know, I once made this huge mistake. I, I had built like a really substantial email list for something about like travel related. And at the time there was this whole trend about like automating your business and outsourcing and things and, and like, you know, not being like in the weeds of your business. And so I, I thought I was doing something smart. I did this promotion, sent out this email 
And I like walked away and didn't like pay attention at all. And I was really proud of myself. So I was like, I'm going to check back like two, two days later and I'm going to see like all this money that's coming in. So I checked back two days later and I had sent the wrong link in the email, basically. And so, you know, and I, not only did I send the wrong link, which is a terrible mistake, but a lot of people have made that. The bigger mistake was I didn't check for two days, you know? So, so literally I go back and there's like $0 and then a whole bunch of replies that are like, hey, the link doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, as you were saying, talking, I thought uh, uh, side hustles are a great way to maybe, if you have kids, teach your kids about entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's some fun stories about kids that are kids that are doing their own side hustles or families that are doing them together. There's like a, it's like a mom and son. Uh, son is really into to baseball, and so he, they actually designed like a, designed a, a new kind of athletic cup because like you know, the ones he was wearing were really uncomfortable or whatever. So they actually created this. I forget what it's called, but they're they're actually doing like significant you know side income from this. And together, the whole family like there's a there's a sister as well, and then the dad like all four of them kind of got into the process of learning how manufacturing works and how to like get this stuff made in China and which has some some cost to it, but it's not like an enormous cost. Like they found out over time like how to do it kind of on the cheap and. And now this is like, you know, four years in like business. That's awesome. Well, Chris, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book? Yeah, thank you. It has been a great conversation. Um, would, would love to hear from some listeners sometime. Uh, the book is called Side Hustle from Idea to Income in 27 Days. Uh, it should be at any bookstore or any online retailer, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you shop for books. Uh, books. Uh, and the website is sidehustleschool.com. And there's a daily podcast as well called Side Hustle School. Awesome. Chris Gillibo, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. My guest today was Chris Gillibo. He's the author of the book, Side Hustle from Idea to Income in 27 Days. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can also find out more information about his work at sidehustleschool.com, where he has a podcast where he interviews people who started side hustles and digs into how they did it. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash side hustle, where you can find links to resources, where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy the show, you feel like you got something out of it, share it with a friend. One thing I've discovered when I talk to people about how they discover the podcast, most say a friend or family member told them about it. It wasn't social media, it wasn't Facebook, it wasn't Twitter. So please, uh, it really mean a lot if you tell you know a few friends about the show, uh, the more the merrier. As always, I appreciate the continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.